The scripture reading for today is Psalm 92. Listen now to the word of the Lord. How great are your works. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp and the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hand, I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. Um, and you have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. Thank you. Um, it's glad to see everyone. Um, it's a somewhat unexpected, a full Zoom service this morning. Uh, hopefully this will be our last one. Uh, I just wanna uh, alert you that beginning next Sunday, we will be moving back indoors for indoor services next Sunday. So I hope all of you will be, or many of you will be able to um, join us. Details will be uh, in the upcoming Wednesday Word but for the month of June, I just want you to know that the seminary has put a capacity limit of 125 people. And so we are going to be asking for registration and health surveys for you to fill out uh, so that we keep to that number. The capacity also means that we are going to uh, spread out over several different rooms in the building. So we will not all be in the chapel together uh, some people will be in the fellowship hall and in the lounge and will be viewing the service uh, that way. The seminary is also requiring that we wear masks while indoors. And so we ask you to abide by their requests. Uh, these are conditions that continue to change and we will revisit them. But those are the rules that the seminary has established for now. And so we will meet uh, indoors beginning next week uh, under those um, requirements. So again, I hope many of you will be able to join us uh, next Sunday. Uh, please pray with me. God, on this Memorial Day uh, weekend, we remember and we are thankful for those, for the soldiers uh, who made the ultimate sacrifice for their families, for their fellow soldiers and for this country. We understand the need for such sacrifice in this broken world. And we pray for the safety of those who continue to serve in the military, as well as for healing 
for veterans who continue to suffer as a result of their service. We also pray for your kingdom come when shalom shall rule the land and such sacrifices will not be necessary. We pray for the many places in the world where violence, persecution, and war have become a norm and where lives are traumatized under constant threat. We pray for the day when all shall beat their swords into plowshares and all their spears into pruning hooks, when nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Psalm 92 is a unique psalm in that it is the only psalm with the superscription, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath. It's the only one that has this title. It's a little surprising because we assume that all the psalms were used in worship on the Sabbath. But this psalm gets singled out specifically as a song for the Sabbath. As such, I think it tells us something about what is sung or what ought to be sung on the Sabbath. It begins with stating what may seem rather obvious. It is good to give thanks, to sing praises, to declare God's steadfast love and faithfulness to the accompaniment of musical instruments. I hope that as the people of God, we can all agree that it is good to worship, that that is an unqualified good. At the very least, we can see that the Sabbath day is not a day simply for rest or for taking a nap, but it is a day for corporate worship. Now, I know that for some people, worship has become largely an obligation, a habit, a tradition, and that some aspects of worship are barely tolerated. Some people approach singing praises, for example, like it's a bowl of green beans or taking vitamins. Not something to be enjoyed, but something that simply has to be done because it's good for you. That, of course, is not how we are to approach the singing of songs or the praising of God on the Sabbath or any other day for that matter. Psalm 147, for example, says, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant. And a song of praise is fitting. Psalm 33 also tells us, Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre making melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. It's not just good for you. It is good. Period. It is not merely a duty to be performed, but a source of genuine and even exuberant joy. In this, we are actually joining all of creation in praising God. Isaiah 44 says, Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, O depths of the earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains, O forest, and every tree in it. 
Psalm 65, the meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. First Chronicles 16, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. I know that worshiping through Zoom alone in your homes makes joyful worship that much more difficult. But as Pastor Doe has been teaching us, we are called to shout hallelujahs. We are to praise ye, all of us, the Lord. I don't know about the rest of you, but I get so encouraged when I see the joy in our youngest ones praising God with their entire bodies, with their motions, and what looks like to me like they're shouting as I look at you on these tiny little video screens. I said that last week that the youngest ones in our church are not the future of the church, but that they are the church, that they are prophets, and that this is how they teach us. This is how they testify to us. Some of you may think you're too old or too cool to do motions and to shout and to be too enthusiastic in your worship. I hope the exuberance of our children will be a prophetic word to us. I mentioned that last week also, that Pentecost Sunday was when the disciples first became filled with the Holy Spirit. And those filled with the Spirit, according to Ephesians 5, are characterized by those who address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with their hearts, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks, praising God, and declaring God's faithfulness is what the people of God do. Now, why do we do all of this? Verse 4 tells us, For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. Verse 5, How great are your works, O Lord. We worship God because God has made us glad by his work. We sing for joy because of the works of his hands. It's crucial that our joy in worship is rooted in what God has done. Our joy is not founded on how good the music is or how well the sermon is preached or how you feel that day about worship and certainly not about what you get out of worship. Joy comes from reflecting on the great works of God. We sing for joy because of what God has done. Now, of course, it helps when declaring what God has done is preached well or the praise of God is sung well. But the source of that joy must always be founded on what God has done. It's a truism that good worship service leads for us to walk away praising God rather than complimenting the singers or the preachers. It's hearing about God's work and remembering what God has done that leads us to give thanks and to sing praises with joy. Not well, not 
not because of how well someone has made those declarations. What God has done is what I and the other pastors try to declare to you every Sunday. And what has God done? Well, God has done more than we can possibly know or fully declare. However, as God's work relates to the Sabbath, we can point to two great works of God, creation and salvation, creation and salvation. When the psalmist says that he is made glad by God's work, he's using a word that usually refers to God's work of deliverance and redemption and salvation. But when the psalm says that he sings for joy at the works of God's hands, it's a different word, and he's probably thinking of and referring to the works of God's creation. There are many reasons for worship, and there are many reasons to sing on the Sabbath, but God's creative and salvific works are what we can find our joy in on the Sabbath. In fact, we can see this pairing highlighted in the Ten Commandments in the Decalogue. You might recall that there are 10 commandments or 10 words, and that the first three are about loving God, and that the last six are about loving our neighbors. And the pivot is in the fourth commandment, the commandment to keep the Sabbath. In Exodus 20, we are called to remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy. Six days we are to work to do all our neighbor, uh, labors, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, our God. On it, we are commanded not to do any work, neither us, nor our children, nor our servants, not even our animals, and not the sojourner or the aliens who are within our gates. No one, no one is to work. And the reason God gives for this rest is that in six days, God made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. We rest on the Sabbath because God rested on the Sabbath day. It's an opportunity for us to reflect on our creator and his creation. Now, the Decalogue gets repeated in Deuteronomy 5, and the wording is largely identical with that of Exodus 20, for all of the commandments, except for the fourth, the Sabbath commandment. More precisely, the commandment is the same, but the reason for the commandment is different. It begins in the very similar fashion. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do your work. And the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and so on. It's the same commandment to rest. But then the reason for that rest that is given is different. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day, right? It's quite different. In Exodus, therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Deuteronomy, therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep 
the Sabbath day. In Exodus, the Sabbath rest is all about creation and rest from that creation. In Deuteronomy, it's all about the deliverance and salvation from a life of slavery in Egypt. We are called to remember the Sabbath and to remember God's creation and God's deliverance. As you know, today is the Memorial Day uh, weekend. It's part of the Memorial Day weekend. Most of us probably think of it as the unofficial start of the summer, but it's supposed to be a day when we remember those soldiers who gave their lives for this country. I know that most of us are not involved directly with the military. And so the day does not carry that kind of significance that it does for other families. And that's how it is with all holidays. Some are more important to us because of the way we understand and how directly we are impacted by a particular holiday. These holidays are reminders so that for a brief moment at least, we remember our past and therefore we remember who we are. Now the reason given for the Sabbath and Exodus and Deuteronomy are complementary. We remember both God's mighty work of creation and God's mighty work of salvation and deliverance. In our case, the salvation is not from slavery in Egypt, but from sin through the cross of Jesus Christ. We gather on the Sabbath to remember who God is and what God has done in both creation and salvation. There's a wonderful novel about the importance of remembering by V.E. Schwab entitled The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. It's a story about a woman named Addie who is essentially immortal, but there's a catch. She can have normal interactions with people, but once someone stops looking at her, they will completely forget her and see her as if meeting her for the first time. So imagine what it must be like to know someone for 50 years and each day for that person, it's like they're meeting you for the first time because they have no memory of you. Imagine living a thousand years and not being able to leave behind a single marker that you were there. At one point, the narrator tells us, being forgotten, she thinks, is a bit like going mad. You begin to wonder what is real if you are real. After all, how can a thing be real if it cannot be remembered? Isn't this why the people built the Tower of Babel to be remembered? Isn't this why we want to leave a legacy behind or to have children or to do something extraordinary? Isn't this why we get excited when we know someone famous or when they remember us? That we might last a little longer? Isn't this a part of the appeal of social media that you can be seen and remembered? And yet for all our efforts, very few people get remembered beyond a generation or two. How many of you, for example, know the names of your grandparents? How many of you remember the names of your great 
grandparents. Maybe this is one of the reasons why we are called to remember the Sabbath. Unless we remind each other of what God has done, you begin to wonder what is real. Did this really happen? Every Sunday we gather and we remind each other of what God has done. And in so doing, we are reminded of who we are, the beloved of God, those whom God has created and redeemed in Jesus Christ. You are not forgotten, certainly not by God. If nothing else, when we gather together, we surround ourselves with others who are giving thanks to God, who are singing praises, who are declaring God's faithfulness. So even when we forget or our faith is weak, we can be strengthened and encouraged by the faith of others in their remembering. That's the contrast between those who remember and those who don't. And the psalmist concludes that the dullard cannot understand. And though the wicked may succeed for a season, they're like grass that will perish. In contrast to the wicked who are like withering grass, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree and like a cedar in Lebanon. These are both evergreens. And in that way, they symbolize durability and even immortality. They not only survive, but they thrive under harsh desert conditions. The palm thrives by being flexible and so is not easily broken during strong winds. While the cedar takes a different tact in that it is so strong that ordinary winds cannot knock it down. They suggest to me that the righteous can thrive by being both flexible in some situations and by being adamant in others. Now, as you know, the problem is that this is not always and immediately true in our experiences. As we look around, we see that there are those who are wicked, who seem to flourish for a long time. And there are those who are righteous, who seem to unnecessarily suffer. It appears unfair given our limited time upon the earth. The psalmist, however, is looking beyond to an eternal Sabbath. Hebrews, for example, says that our present Sabbaths are incomplete and tells us of a better, permanent, eternal Sabbath rest that awaits us. So singing this Sabbath song is an act of faith. We declare that God's steadfast love and faithfulness will win out in the end, even while the wicked seem to flourish for a while. And even while we await for the promise of the flourishing of the righteous to be fulfilled, we sing this song in faith. Notice that the flourishing of the righteous happens in the house of God. In one sense, we flourish as we gather together here in worship because we are the body and the temple of God. But in another sense, we are not there yet in the house of God. As the Apostle Paul writes, we are still longing, we are still groaning to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. We are waiting for the fullness of the day of the Lord when those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. That is where we will ultimately flourish. You see, the righteous flourish because they are planted by God. 
It is because God has planted them. They're not righteous because they have worked harder. They did not plant themselves. They are planted in the house of God. The implication that God is the one who planted them there. It is God who plants, cultivates, nourishes, protects. And that is why and how they will flourish. And because they're in the presence of God, they will bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. There is hope that even in old age, they are ever full of sap and green. Or as the King James Version phrases it, which I find more interesting, they are fat and flourishing. That's what I want to do. Be fat and flourishing. Even in old age, they will continue to declare that the Lord is good. In old age, their worship of God does not abate. Those who declare God's faithfulness in the beginning of the psalm are declaring God's uprightness even in their old age. From today's Sabbath to that perfect eternal Sabbath that awaits us, the praise of God is to be ever on our lips. I know that we live in a culture that idolizes youth and denies death. But the scriptures remind us that old age is not to be feared or dismissed, that it is not something to delay as long as possible, but it is something to be celebrated and even looked forward to. I know that our bodies will slow down and break down, but what I've learned is that I can worship God better now than when I was younger. And it's not because I can sing better or shout louder, and certainly not because I have more energy. It's really simply because I know God better today. It's a knowing that happens over time, that can only happen over time. There is a depth in the quality of knowing over time, and therefore worship that can only happen as we grow older. It's the difference like the love shared between newlyweds, between that share between a couple celebrating their 14th anniversary or their 28th anniversary. It's why you would rather go to a surgeon with experience rather than someone fresh out of medical school. There are things that you can only know from experience and worship is one of those things. Do you remember the story in Exodus when Moses boldly asked God to let him see God's glory? In response, God put Moses in the cleft in the mountains and he covered his face and God passed by. And God tells him, you cannot see my face, but after I pass, I will let you see my back. It's one of those really strange and, and difficult passages to interpret. It's probably trying to tell us something about God's holiness and that we as mere mortals and sinners cannot withstand to see the fullness of the brightness of God's glory. But perhaps, as someone has suggested, it's also, about, it's also trying to tell us something about how we might experience God that we might not be able to peer directly into God's mind in this moment, 
But as time passes, we might see where God was. That is, we might see his metaphorical back. We might not be able to see what God is doing in this precise moment, but later, as we look back, we might see what God has done. This is why we remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. We remember and recall what God has done, not only in the scriptures, but also in our lives. And so in that way, we see the back of God's glory. We declare to each other what God has done. And maybe we catch a glimpse of God's glory as it passes by. Maybe you cannot see the what, what God is doing right now. I know for many of us, it's really hard to see the glory of God in this moment. But with the perspective of time and wisdom in the days to come, as we look back, maybe we can see what God has done. And that is what we do on the Sabbath. This is a Sabbath song we sing. We give thanks for God, for what God has done in history, in the past, in his creation, and in our salvation. We know this to be true. And so we sing praises to his name. We declare his faithfulness, his loving kindness, because we know this is what has happened. And we remember and we declare that the Lord is upright and he is my rock. So let's remember. And in remembering his creation and his salvation, let's declare that God is our rock. And in him, There is no unrighteousness. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this day that you have made. We thank you for the Sabbath. We thank you for the Sabbath song that we get to sing. We thank you for your creation, and our salvation. Help us to declare your faithfulness, your loving kindness. Help us to be thankful and to sing your praises because of what you have done, because you are the everlasting and the unchanging rock. We ask these things in the name of our risen Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen.